Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Hi, welcome, hello. <laughs> two Guys, One Book. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not the opening I thought you were preparing. Two of us sitting here all getting ready to start the episode, and then he comes and blurts everything out at once. I'm just trying to bring the energy, get Brian. Closer to, no. I'm get, close get, to the microphone. Okay. I'm like a foot away. Okay. <sighs> Because I have this quiet, calm voice, and Brian has a booming radio voice, so we're trying to compensate. This week. This week. What did we read? I don't know, Tim. What did we read? On the Road. Yeah, by... Jack Kerouac. There we go. The famous On the Road by Jack Kerouac. The beat uh, generation. Right. Writer. Yeah. And this was Tim's pick, correct? I picked this one. Why'd you pick this one? That's a great question. It's a book I've been meaning to read for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a classic, this Beat Generation book, these hip Americans of times past, and I thought it'd be cool. I like road trips, and I thought a book about people on road trips would be fun and kind of adventurous, okay. so that's the main reason. So you you said you've been meaning to read it for a while, but like, why? Like, what got it on your radar? Was there anything like, you just... Because, like, that's just, like, I've heard of this book. I was told about it. I know that it influenced a lot of people, but um, I I don't know. I think it's had a big impact on American culture. And I read, like, the Dharma Bums by him a while back. I like that um, one. Um, he's It's just this interesting, like, niche of, like, you know, like, Hunter S. Thompson a little bit. It reminded me of his style of writing where it's, like, Americana, but also like kind of so it's kind of crazy, but also kind of like philosophical, and also I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. I just think it's an interesting hmm. piece of genre of literature. This you... book, this book in particular, or the whole like bibliography of Jack Kerouac, Hunter S. Thompson, and those kind of authors. Yeah, I mean, I've only read now a few books between them both, but. Yeah, in general, I think they both had a big influence on people in our culture, especially like 60s, 70s, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to like get in the mindset that they had and, and how that reflected, like rippled outward into the greater country. Okay. So what did you think about it? Well, I mean, like I said, I've always heard about this book. I didn't really know what to expect going into it, um, but... I do have an appreciation that this book, like you said, influenced a lot of people and helped maybe open minds and and society to, I don't know, the post-World War II generation and their living, their life, you know, in the, in the new world order after, you know, the World War Two, of course. <laughs> These were boomer heroes, is how yes. I, like Kerouac and Thompson. Right. Um, but I found On the Road to be difficult to really get into. Oh, I, you didn't like it? I cannot say that I enjoyed this book. Oh, this will be a fun discussion. Because I liked it. So, you liked it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think this might be our greatest discrepancy oh in a book. Oh my gosh, it might be. Good. What did you like about it? Well, let's let's get into that. Okay. Um, 
and I'd like to hear what you didn't like about it. Sure. But um, just in general, I like the spirit of it. <laughs> like, <clears throat> just the adventure behind it that they're... I mean, plot-wise, there's not a whole lot that happens because, just to summarize it real quickly, they yeah. drive from <laughs> New York to San Francisco, they drive, like, you hitchhike back, mm-hmm. they drive again, then they drive to Mexico. And that's more or less what happens. I mean, <laughs> it's comprised of all these, like, interactions along the way. And, right. And, but I thought the characters were so fun, like, the Dean Moriarty. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely some very, like, questionable aspects to their character mm-hmm. and unlikable things that they do. But I just like that, like, feeling of just like the energy they had in the book and how they were just like down for this like spontaneous experiences that sort of thing okay interesting so what did you not like well i mean nothing happens right yeah plot wise like i said there's not (laughs) there's not much going on so in a book where nothing happens i want some sort of um something else i need something else you know you need that's just it. Um, More story arc. Well, that's just. I mean, all right. So, it, story or stuff that's happening, I do not think that that is the only thing I need from a book. I can enjoy a book if it's about, you know, life or philosophy or uh, interesting relationships between characters. But I felt like there w- weren't many characters in this book that I liked. Okay, so it's two different things. It's You're saying, like, first of all, the story, there wasn't a lot that happened, and Correct. then the characters you didn't find likable. Correct. I, I think those are my two biggest peeves with this all book. Right, let's, let's talk about the story first. Sure. So, I like I said, I agree plot-wise, not a big story arc. But in terms of, like, an adventure, like, imagine doing this kind of road trip or, or hitchhiking, and you just meet, like, dozens, maybe hundreds of people... Like, I think in a way something happens. It's just a bunch of little experiences adding up to this bigger adventure. Not that there's like, I mean, it's not a typical book where it's centered around one theme or or one, um, you know, person X does Y. You know what I mean? Right. It's a little unconventional, but. So in that sense, the lack of plot in this book is essentially the story itself where they are just traveling and on the road and they meet all these characters and they're going to these different destinations with their friends, hanging out, going out on the town, having a good time. They talk a lot about jazz and musicians and all that stuff, which is which I'm sure for the time would have been great. A lot of the stuff I didn't get, but I think I can kind of see what you're saying is that the fact that this book is about well, Sal is the main character, Sal Paradise. He's Essentially, Jack Kerouac, mm-hmm. and Dean Moriarty is essentially some other Dean or Dean Moriarty is like Neil Cassidy. Neil Cassidy, thank yeah. you. Uh, who are Neil Cassidy and Jack Kerouac were real friends. So this is semi autobiographical. Yeah. Yes, correct. So it's about them traveling um, around America and all the different people they meet in America. So I guess in that sense, for young people reading this, it gives them perhaps more of a. Um, opportunity to see like i feel like this is a book where maybe at the time anybody in america reading it could see parts of themselves that are somewhere in this book whether it's in the two main characters or not it doesn't have to be it could be they could see themselves in all all the side characters or some other you know like i can kind of see your point there whereas 
by them going across the whole country, they meet all these different people and get to explore the whole country. And in that sense, it kind of is a unifying um, thread throughout the whole book about it's about just Americana. Yeah. But it's told, so Sal Paradise, Jack Kerouac, it's told from his perspective, right? So a lot of the book is also just kind of taking place in his mind, like his reflections on everything. Mm. And um, so I thought he had an interesting kind of outlook on the world where he's trying to like, you know, he's trying, he's kind of like this rugged, scrappy individual who's kind of, um, you know, they're just kind of going out and having fun, like you said, but he's also sort of thinking about the deeper meanings of life like what's the point to everything and you could say maybe it's trying too hard to be high-minded here and there but um overall i mean he's just like how how should one live their life you know like yeah that's a big question right yeah i don't think i i did not get all that from sal paradise i mean i got some of that sure Mm -hmm. but like also a lot of it is just them driving around and Dean going 110 and then going to hang out with this group of people and oh that's the per- that's the girl that Dean's shacking up with now yeah. and like so I felt like at times it was even a little superficial well because to me it felt like Dean Moriarty mm-hmm. didn't have any real connection with anybody in the book maybe Sal because they traveled so much but to me it felt like Dean didn't care about anybody else yeah that's and, fair and so that you know i mean so i guess i'm going i'm focusing more on dean when you mentioned sal about his philosoph- philosophical take but i, I will i will I, you know i am glad that we've started all this tim because i feel like this has given me an opportunity to to now that we've been reading more to compare books now because i feel like reading on the road gave me more of appreciation for the moviegoer Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? It's a similar book in some ways. I would say so. And I feel like the movie gore was more about the main character. He talked about this malaise about life. Alienation. Yes. And I felt like that was more, I don't know. I think the movie gore had a more clear philosophical um, part to the story. Whereas I think on the road, I, I guess it's... That's not as much philosophical to me. But my critique with the moviegoer is he's just kind of like, um, you know... What was me? Yeah, what was me? And, like, if he went on the road and just kind of (laughs) got out of his circumstances, he might So they need to merge the two. They need to have the moviegoer be a first half of the book and then on the road be the second half of the book. And Okay, so here's what I would say. Like, yeah, I agree. I think people, younger people, like, you know, 20s, whatever... Uh, late teens, it's good to just like travel a bit and see what's out there because you don't know what what life is all about and what you want to do with your life. So it's good to see what a bunch of people di- like do differently around the the country or the world or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I think that's a good point. I think maybe I am, I am thirty four, so I'm an old man, and I am perhaps a little old to be, um, I don't know, getting excited about hitchhiking across but, America. But you but, travel to like California, Colorado. Yeah, sure, you sure. enjoy these states, right? I do, yes. I love getting out and about and, and, and exploring what the United States has to offer, yes. But I also think that if I was maybe fresh out of high school or college, I would have maybe more um, 
possessed after reading of this book. And you could argue that Sal and Dean are kind of selfish characters who are all about the self-indulgence type thing. Mm -hmm. But thinking about their background, like Dean, you know, he didn't have a father or something. He had like a troubled childhood. So I'm not saying that's an excuse, but it just to like explain his behavior somewhat that Mm -hmm. he lives a little recklessly and drives like a maniac. But I think he's a character that despite all of his flaws, people find him very entertaining. Like he's just like so crazy and all over the place and he has this like zest for life like when he's they talk about him watching the jazz musicians and he's just like at least on the audiobook he'd just be like yes yes oh. <laughs> like this is all about time and life and blah 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 yeah do you feel like that gave you a better appreciation for the book listening the, to it yeah i had a good audiobook version oh. it was some famous like i forget the dude but yeah. so interesting so your audiobook may be contributed to your better experience with this book because I would listen to it in the car too that's very meta of you too <laughs> <laughs> but no I yeah I, I need to be frank I I had a tough time picking up this book and being excited to read right, what was next say something you did like about this book there had to be something oh yeah I liked I did like the um, portrait of America that it paints so seeing the different descriptions of the states back in like the 40s 50s right okay i didn't i mean like i understand he was spending a lot of time in denver and san francisco so he was going on and on about the different clubs on the different streets and whatnot and like that was fine but um i just liked when he would talk about traveling Mm -hmm. from state to state don't you think his language was pretty descriptive kind of like this poetic stream of conscious style somewhat yeah, I mean, I would say I, it was a little burdensome sometimes. It did not, um, I don't know. To me, it felt like it sometimes got in the way of, but then again, like, I guess that's just the point of the whole book is just him describing America and his and his adventures. I think you could argue he, he did get repetitive at times mm-hmm. and would overdo the language, but at least for most of the book, I enjoyed the um, descriptive, like, you know, driving across the sleepy Colorado plains or, you know, just like (laughs) stuff like that. It was pretty, yeah. 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 A lot about jazz. A lot about jazz. Um, I thought it was interesting. I'm glad we read this right after American War, too, because American War was one where I didn't like the characters Mm -hmm. simply because they weren't likable, not because they weren't fully developed. But anyway... I didn't like the characters, but I liked the world that the author created and the story was interesting. And on the road, I felt like I didn't like the characters. The story was kind of non-existent. And then they're like talking about jazz and life and whatnot. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it just didn't resonate with me. That's fair. Yeah. It, it's But, yeah, go ahead. So, do, I mean, like, do you feel, so you feel like this is still a relevant book today so people don't really hitchhike anymore for one thing correct and i don't think people have these many adventures but i think it's sort of a shame because i think going um just traveling in general and meeting a wide variety of people and seeing what they're all about and their life and their perspectives i think it's i not to sound cliche but can be pretty eye-opening um and help you form your worldview too mm-hmm. So, but I think most people are just like, 
online these days not to sound like you know i'm all <laughs> i love the internet and whatever but like i think people are traveling less because we're all content just well, in our homes i don't know man i feel like airbnb is huge you did one of those airbnb experiences yeah you know in, that's in, true. in a different city i feel like that millennials and gen z are people that will put more of an emphasis on experience over material possessions mm-hmm so I feel like there are other ways that we, that we can have experiences like this similar to on the road. And like carpool, car sharing apps, carpooling. Because mm-hmm. I'd get in a lift in like Seattle, a shared lift with like three different, four different people. Mm-hmm. And we're all just like randomly thrown together. <laughs> and you would hitchhike in this book, but like you might die because there's no like <laughs> reputation system or like app tracking you Uh, i mean you could die today but like yeah i feel like it's a little less like (laughs) like as a criminal like you're gonna get caught because you're all being tracked by the you know Uh, what i mean right right oh so that's good to know so if you get murdered by your lyft driver at least they're gonna be able to catch the guy it's (laughs) it's a disincentive to murder uh, one of your customers because Uh, yeah your every movement is being tracked by the app right we should also say you could be just as equally murdered by your Uber driver. <laughs> probably more not, likely. Not, yeah. Probably more likely by Uber driver, I agree. But I, just did, it, I didn't want to single out Lyft with... Has yeah. Airbnb host murdered anyone? Oh my goodness. There was an article in a Fortune magazine about Airbnb and the bad experiences and what happens. Really? I have not read it yet, but it's sitting, <laughs> it's sitting on my coffee table. So there is an article about that in Fortune oh, magazine shit. that I need to read it's it. Sitting on the table. Yeah, I know. I've been too busy, busy reading your damn books that you have me read, Tim. <laughs> this wasn't too long. Or no, it wasn't. It's not hard it to read. No. Okay, let's. Can we go back to American War comparison? Oh sure. So, you brought up like the world building, and I would say yeah, like <clears throat> as far as building a world, it's very different. Like that's this big sci-fi book with all these interesting ideas about the future. Right. So it's hard to compare. But also, the characters... I didn't find American War characters likable or that engaging. But Dean Moriarty, I would say, like, not a, the best person. Like, on a, like he had, like, five illegi- illegitimate children or something, he, and he just kept traveling. So he was definitely, like, questionable as far as a, an individual goes. But, like, what do you think about those stories where he's just, like, stealing cars, like... Yeah. And just, like... He's just... I think Dean is just a terrible person. But he's just like, like, I think I think he is just completely in his own little world. Doesn't care about any other person, human, and he, all he is is about getting his kicks. But if you met him in person, do you think he'd be like entertaining? I think he would be entertaining in the same way. I find some hipsters entertaining. <laughs> you know, they have a unique outlook on life. They're very into what they're very into. Yeah, and. That's good for them, but I don't need to hang out with that guy a whole lot. So the difference I would say between him and like what we conceive as the modern hipster uh-huh. is that like I feel like most people who I think of as hipsters wouldn't have much like energy or reaction when it comes to things that you know to be passionate about. Like I don't see. I mean, like I could be wrong when it comes to like craft beer or like yeah. some kind of whatever. Some people get really excited about their coffee. But too. no, no. I, yeah, but I would say in a subdued way. Uh, like I feel like it's for for whatever reason in twenty twenty uh-huh. and like this modern era, I feel like it's unfashionable to be like excited about stuff. And I feel like Dean Moriarty, Moriarty is what I'm. What I like about him is that he gets so shamelessly excited about everything. Like when he's watching the jazz players and just going like, yes. And he's like driving his car at 100 miles an hour and he's meeting all these people and he's kind of chasing girls. Like he's just got this like, this energy. It's Mm -hmm. great. 
Okay. So is this more of a, like, I mean, Tim, you are a very, you know, I would say even keeled kind of guy, <laughs> laid back person. So is this maybe some self, uh, some deeper sub subconscious within you that you don't get excited over anything? Yeah. So you feel like you have, <laughs> you, ha- you want to experience I'm what being Dean's experience? Yes. I mean, hey, man. Yeah, I get excited. <laughs> What do you get excited Let's about? Let's be clear. Oh, no, you do get excited about winning. That's right. <laughs> Tim is very competitive. I can't even... I got to beat him in everything we do so. because I cannot stand when he goes, yes! <laughs> All right, let me explain something real quick. <laughs> so you can be even-keeled and calm and still be passionate and excited about life just uh, in your own way. Yeah. And... Um, no, I agree because yeah. I'm even-keeled and calm too. Yeah, but, but you get that. into stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I was going with it. Yeah, no, but um, no, you're right. You can be laid back person and still get excited about stuff. But I feel like I think you're right. I think there's some, some maybe, I don't know. There's there is not. Maybe when people get excited about things in today's society, there's always somebody to like. I don't know, troll them, or bring them down or something. Maybe that's kind of <coughs> the. Maybe what you're, part of what you're yeah. getting at. Like if you see someone too pumped up about some subject they're into, I feel like some people will just Some people like, will say, all right, calm down. There's all, there's, right. there's starving kids in Africa still. Or, well, you know, that's like one stuff angle. like that. Or just in general, like roll their eyes and be like, okay, no. whatever. It's not cool to care about anything mm-hmm. too much because like, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, no, I do not like Dean Moriarty at all. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's, hey, you yeah. know, this... That the whole point of this podcast, what we're learning is uh-huh. that different books speak to different people, right. which sounds obvious, but like you really see that when we go through these books. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. it's not like there's a good or a bad book. It's just like different books speak more to different people. Right. Right. And one thought I had while reading this book and having it, it missed the mark on me. And so one thought I had was um, great literature, great art in general. Let me ask you, I don't know quite how to frame it, my, but my general thought was that great art can be timeless, but then there's also great art that can have a definite place in time. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where I feel like on the road, maybe more of a hit and miss book now with today's society, but with the post-World War II generation because uh, it was published in 57, leading up right, you know, the beat generation and, and the, the 60s and whatnot really took off. So maybe it was the right book for that time. That's a good point. I think um, it definitely spoke to that generation, and it probably had a lot to do with that whole movement in the 60s and liberation and, like, finding the truth in yourself or whatever. But also just imagine like touring the country at that time where there's not a Starbucks in every other town that you go to. Like it was probably more interesting to just say like, or just see like how people live in each part of the country where it's a little more its own world. Right. And yeah, it's not you, cause you don't have the availability to see how other people are living in the, in the rest of the country mm-hmm. like we do today. You had to physically go there because there is no, like there's no, um, there's no teacher-like experience, right? Mm-hmm. And to go and experience out the rest of the countries is the best way to learn about 
uh, the, the rest of America. Because, like, yeah, sometimes he would talk about being back in New York. I think at the end of the book, then he says something about standing in New York, looking back, like, to the West, and just knowing how many, how, how, how much land is out there, how many states are out there, and how many times he's traveled, zigzagged across the, the continent. And he kind of felt like a, a kind of like pride that he did that, longing to do it some more. But a sense of like happiness, you know. So I guess I kind of like that bit as well. So if you talk to someone today about this book, yeah. I feel like a lot of people would just say like, "Why wouldn't he just fly from New York to San Francisco?" <laughs> you know, just like it's it's cheap, easy, convenient, whatever. But it's like that kind of misses the point of all the experiences along the way. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then and that's another thing. I feel like it is a book of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, like you said, there's n- nobody travels like that anymore. Um, but actually, my grandpa used to hitchhike in the 40s. Oh, yeah. When he would, he lived in Ohio, but he, or did he live, no, he visited family in Ohio. He was going to school in Detroit, at the University of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And he would hitchhike back and forth. And he had signs. He didn't stand on the road just with his thumb out. He had, like, cardboard signs where he wrote towns' names on. Huh. And he had several of them, because he didn't start out... Like if say for example if you he was in northeast Ohio close to Canton, and he was starting to go back to Detroit, he wouldn't put a he wouldn't stand out there with a sign that said Detroit. He would stand out there with a sign that said like Mansfield or Lima or or Toledo, like some some he would have multiple signs for different cities along the way, so that if someone saw like oh I'm I'm just going to Mansfield he would pick, they would pick him up and just take him to Mansfield and he'd get like a couple miles. Okay, that makes sense. You know? Instead of having. Instead, because if, if he puts out a sign that says Detroit, people are like, oh, I'm not going that far. All the way to yeah. Detroit. That yeah. makes sense. That's you interesting. I, I, thought that, I thought that was an interesting little strategy. Do you think people were more trusting back then just to pick up oh, a absolutely. stranger? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, and, like, and that's the thing is, like, I feel like, so what happened? Well, Serial killers? Yeah, I was about to say that. Like, yeah. in the 70s, we had all those yeah. serial killers, like Ted Bundy-type uh-huh. people. Because um, did you watch that Netflix special on Ted Bundy? The, the, the ta- tapes? Yeah, the I've tapes. I've watched part of that, yeah. I did too. And that was very interesting how it seemed like, was that 60, or maybe it started with um, Char- Charles Manson too? Okay. In 69, 60, I think 70s, yeah. yeah. Where, because yeah, then serial killers just kind of boomed in the 60s and 70s after that. So like, yeah, and, yeah it's just weird. Well, I feel like, okay, so this is just sort of a broad theory, but just because the country is such, in a state of such like, I don't know if, turmoil is the right word but mm-hmm. like finding itself kind of i mean like things were pretty polarized back then from what i know is like the you had the chicago like riots or whatever you mean in the 70s in the 70s oh, yeah. yeah and um and like nixon and like the mm-hmm. vietnam war and there's just like so much stuff going on at that time mm-hmm. so i feel like just as a country tensions were high so <laughs> i don't i can't draw the current like direct correlation to serial <laughs> killers but saying there's something about like yeah. when the national like tension is that high there's yeah. something about like making people crazy maybe sure yeah, yeah. could be so would, would you hitchhike today would i hitchhike today <laughs> god no <laughs> but you lift an uber in a heartbeat it's i don't know i st- i know man i tell you what i even have trouble with the gig economy because like when when i'm in a lift or an uber mm-hmm. i am literally counting down the minutes until i'm out of there so, because i just do not but you all likely in all likelihood you'd be safe but like in a lot of cases right. like you know especially with like 
you know, women and mm-hmm. stuff getting to Lyfts and Ubers, I feel like you're kind of on edge. And they're always trying to add safety features, but, like, at the end of the day, I think they're also desperate for drivers, so they mm-hmm. add people without, like, that much oh, screening yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. I yeah. feel like the the bar for an Uber driver, especially, has gotten Not way down. super high. Yeah, because I feel like six, seven years ago, you had to have, like, a car that was, like, three years or mm-hmm. only three years old or, or, or newer, um, and you had to meet certain criteria. But nowadays, you see Ubers and, like, yeah. any kind of car really almost but you think about like all the drunk driving incidents this probably has prevented which is hard to necessarily quantify but i think they've done studies and seen reductions in like fatalities because if you're drunk like you don't really have an excuse now just to use the app and right. find, you don't need to like call a taxi or wait for this mm-hmm. whole system right um yeah. yeah and i think like that i think that is the thread with most modern technology advances right is that there are pros and there are cons it's not black and white no like, it's yeah not, yeah there are, society today there's no black and white situation on anything and hitchhiking is can be good is what we're trying to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah so try it out we kids sh- we should all hitchhike. yeah <laughs> it's the big takeaway but no so do you have um as part of you long for a more simpler time tim sim i reading this book makes me long for more adventure time oh, <laughs> yeah okay Huh. Like road trips and stuff. Okay. Right? All right, sure. Not you. I mean, no, yeah, I'm always down for road trips and stuff, but like I feel like, I mean, I didn't need this book to. All right, let me be clear. Mm-hmm. Like, we're both like, I'm turning 30 this year, you're in your 30s. Oh, right. Yeah, you got like a month. I know, it's crazy. Woof. So, um,. And, like, it's it's fun to sound adventurous in theory, but, like, you and I both know that, like, hanging out at home and watching Netflix documentaries, like, can be really nice sometimes. It is. So it's not like <laughs> we need to just be, like, go, 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 like, adventure crazy times. Right. Um, you and, need to balance it out. Yeah, and I feel like that was um, a lot of their friends in this book. Like, they would go to Denver and San Francisco to hang out with all these other people, like Old Bull Lee and mm-hmm. uh, what were some other names of them? I don't know. The Dunkel guy. Yeah, Ed Dunkel. And so they would hang out with these other people, and at one point, like, they all kind of get pissed off at Dean Moriarty, and Sal defends Dean, and they're all like, no, Sal, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> right? Isn't that yeah, one, that's fair. one part of the book? And I feel like they're the ones that are, like, more stable, that can have a good time, but maybe not traveling all around the country, but um, can also see where... Um, it's cool just to hang out. But it's fun to get a window into their lives oh, and sure. see, like, this is a way I could live, mm-hmm. and I don't want to do it forever, but, like, you know, the guy in New Orleans, Dunkel, you know, we can go to the racetrack, we can go to these local bars, whatever, but, like, I'm not going to do this forever. Mm-hmm. That's, like, a fear of mine, I think, is just being stuck in some suburb suburban oh, life where I'm just, man. like... And you have FOMO? No. Is that it? FOMO? That's that fear, of missing, fear out? Of missing out. Yeah, you're missing out on life. Oh, okay. Adventure. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. So, but, like, you can, uh, and there are a lot of movies about, like, suburban, like, alienation, I right. think. And, like, if you think about, like, American <laughs> Beauty or Oh, yeah. Well, whenever you say that, I always think of Knocked Up. Do you remember uh, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann's oh, yeah. characters in Knocked Up? They made, uh, they made a spinoff of that. This, this is, is 40. 40. Did you see that? I have not. I no. haven't seen that. But I always love the part in Knocked Up where, like, 
Paul Rudd talks about going to India and like Leslie Mann's like, why would you go to India? I don't want to go to India. I just say I can't go to India, you know, <laughs> because I have kids and right. a family and all this stuff. <laughs> Those early Judd Apatow movies are so yes. great. I'm like, yeah, and they yeah, are. knocked up in 40 year old version. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like if you want to go to India, but you've got like kids and a mm-hmm. job and whatever, like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? But I don't know. You, you find things to do. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, I don't feel like, you know, to say that you to not go on road trips or to not seek adventure is not a life fulfilled. You know, you can, I feel like you can, you can find satisfaction and fulfillment in all kinds of different ways. And I feel like that's up to each individual to figure that out. So who's drawn to this lifestyle though? It's like someone like Dean who had a broken home growing up so he doesn't know what stability looks like. Or it's, I think, also on the other end of the spectrum, like someone who's had too much stability and it's like, Mm -hmm. I need to... Lashing out? Yeah, rebelling somehow Mm -hmm. against that. Like, you know, like with helicopter parents and stuff, if you try too hard to like shelter your your kid, they're going to go in the other direction. I'm glad you brought that up, Tim. Why? Because that's a perfect segue to our next book about the coddling of America's minds. <laughs> because you're right, because I feel like, I think I think you're spot on though. I feel like there are many different people with um, a drive for adventure like Dean Moriarty in this book. And I feel like it comes from all different um, types and you, you're spot on. Like there are those parents that, heli- helicopter parents that surround their kids every waking uh, you know moment with activities or stuff to do and or you know just helicopter parents that are constantly monitoring their children's acti- daily activities to the point where the children grow up and then don't really have any personal identity to uh, branch out on their own with so then they lash out or, or rebel maybe lash but but have to go through this pilgrimage to find it for themselves later in life okay yeah that's a good point i think so you brought up that book which kind of touches on political issues right correct yeah sure but um so i would say like you know in this book how they're beating all these different people don't you think it's healthy for your worldview to see the perspectives of all these people because like especially today we're so polarized and be like you know like i never met someone who does this kind of job or it comes from this background i mean like oh i met this person from this country or with this job and like I never thought of things that way but now it kind of humanizes them it gives oh, it yeah 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 absolutely I agree and I feel like it's only only good benefits will come from meeting more people in the world I absolutely agree with that mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe this connection might seem like a stretch but I feel like LGBT rights mm-hmm. I think have advance so rapidly because there's gay people in every aspect of society and in recent years they've gotten more comfortable about coming out coming out yeah and and so everyone that has been kind of uh anti-lgbt has become aware of more and more people in their lives that are lgbt so that they realize oh they have they're, you know, I know this person, and they're gay, and they're a stand-up individual, you mm-hmm. know, and there's nothing different from them and me, other than sexual orientation, so they should have all the rights I have, you know, so I feel like if more people were to get out of their comfort zone and meet more people from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. I think it would only help society. So can you be an open-minded person without 
getting like meeting other people. I mean, like with the internet oh, these yeah. days, you can you can stumble upon YouTube videos of people all all over the world. You can read posts by people. Right. Um. So to some extent, it's almost like a digital road trip. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point. Is that you don't have to actually meet them face to face. There are so many sources out there, thanks to the internet, and you know, everything else we have at our fingertips nowadays. Is that you can experience what other, well, maybe not experience. You can learn about what other people go through, what experience every day. So to to help, you know, give you more empathy about how they other people yeah, live. Yeah, it's all about empathy. Oh yeah. But I think, but there's something about person-to-person contact that has more depth to it than like online interactions. Correct. Yes. You know, there might be. You could say that, like, to meet one person face-to-face and have a dinner with a person of a different religious background and talk about religion is more affecting than one person reading an internet article. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I feel like there is still multiple ways where you can branch out, get out of your comfort zone, and meet other people or or be aware of other people's cultures. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Airbnb experiences. Mm -hmm. I think those are great. I think more people should. Because it's, like, people local to these cities Mm -hmm. who are, like kind of independent tour operators or some kind of, you know, mm-hmm. something they're leading that they're interested in or passionate about. And you meet all kinds of people on the tour itself. Yeah. But, yeah, so, man. So we're, how do so, we get on this? I don't know. It Experience in America. Yeah. I still didn't like the book, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> but you, sorry. Okay, but... I can, I can appreciate your points and, the and yeah. yeah. You can appreciate the idea of travel, adventure, meeting different people. Right. As a concept, like conceptually. Right. Did you uh, find it entertaining when, like... Actually, I found this part interesting. When he's, like... I don't know if you remember. It's kind of a smaller aside, but Sal Paradise was talking to some, like, country girl on a bus or a train or something mm-hmm. and trying to get a sense of what her life was all about and what she's into. And he's like, and it was, like, this whole long passage about, like... He's like, what do you... So what do you do every day? And, like, well, I sit on the porch and I, like, cook yeah. this and yeah. then, like make popcorn and then like what does your mom do and your dad and it was just like the same thing over and over again and like i feel like that was a great contrast between like his lifestyle and what he's about versus like a typical average person and right their life because he was like after that he like turned away and was like well it's no use talking to her she's like not yeah. interesting right yeah no i think that was a good point that um that is a contrast to show that like not everyone is on the road like Sal and Dean are. And, but, or if they're on the road, they're on the road just to get from point A to point B for a specific purpose. But you don't have to be dull or crazy. Like, there's, like, a healthy middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> you can be, like, stable and adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I want that to be in my tombstone. Stable Tim, and adventurous. Stable and adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think talking it over with you, I think, has um, given me a slightly different appreciation for the book. Mm-hmm. I've opened your mind. Mm. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Do you have some quotes you'd want to share? Yeah, I have a quote. Just, just one? Just one. Let yeah. me go first, then. Yeah, I... I, I I dog-eared several pages. Okay. Quotes. How many quotes do you have? Like five. Oh, okay. Let me just... Wow, you have a lot, Tim. I know. Tim's not usually the quote Because I, I like this one. Um, <sighs> so let me do this one first. I think it summarizes the spirit of this book really uh-huh. well. So <clears throat> this is early on 
uh, the author says, the only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles, exploding like spiders across the stars, and in the middle you see the blue center light and pop, and everybody goes, aww. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I love that passage. Yeah, that is a good one. That's really early, isn't it? It's early on, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because yeah. he's drawn to these crazy people like Dean, mm-hmm. who never say a commonplace right. thing, and yeah. uh, just make life interesting. I think. Yeah. All right, you got one. I got one quote. I tell you, because I got like I said, I dog-eared a lot of uh, passages, but some of them I just liked what they talked about. I didn't really necessarily have like a specific quote. Mm-hmm. Like one time, Dean and Sal were talking about when they're riding in a car and they look out the window and when they were younger they would picture like a big uh, scythe or something cutting down trees and, uh-huh. and buildings and stuff and I remember doing the same thing like when I was young I remember looking out the window and like imagining like like I had a, a chainsaw sticking out and just <laughs> and just cutting everything else off at the ground i never like thought about that no? yeah that's another thing i another thing <laughs> i thought of is if like there was somebody outside the car running along with it and like how they would have to run and then jump over a fence and duck under a tree and run around a house and stuff you have so, a rich imagination brian <laughs> well i mean i don't know that just yeah. apparently fun. other people do too yeah too. that's fun yeah so anyway go for it so my my one quote that i uh, picked the read was early as well. This is when he was hitchhiking across the country from New York to San Francisco the first time. I woke up as the sun was reddening, and that was the one distinct time in my life, the strangest moment of all, when I didn't know who I was. I was far away from home, haunted and tired with travel, in a cheap hotel room I'd never seen, hearing the hiss of steam outside and the creak of the old wood of the hotel and footsteps upstairs, and all the sad sounds, and I looked at the cracked high ceiling and really didn't know who I was for about 15 strange seconds. I wasn't scared. I was just somebody else, some stranger, and my whole life was a haunted life, the life of a ghost. I was halfway across America, at the dividing line between the east of my youth and the west of my future, and maybe that's why it happened right there and then, that strange red afternoon. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. That's a pretty passage. I liked it. Yeah, because I feel like that was that was another thing about this book. I feel like it is the transition from youth to adulthood. He's trying to figure out who he is right. for a lot of the book. Right. So kind of going off that, this is a a um, feeling I feel like I relate to quite a bit. Mm. So he says. Um, <laughs> I like too many things and get all confused and hung up running from one falling star to another till I drop. (laughs) And I sympathized with that. Oh, yeah? Because it's like, you like a lot of different things, but, you know, trying to pick one thing. Okay. Um, And this one, he talks about stars a lot, I'm starting to realize. But he says, uh, uh, just describing some town, like, the air was soft, the stars so fine, the promise of every cobbled alley so great that I thought I was in a dream. Just little passages like that throughout mm-hmm. the book I thought were pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so this one is also pretty good, I thought. He says, 
My whole wretched life swam before my weary eyes, and I realized no matter what you do, it's bound to be a waste of time in the end, so you might as well go mad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I feel like those passages we are picking to read are very nice passages mm-hmm. and parts of the book that I liked, but I felt like these were, like, just peppered, maybe not even peppered in, like, just thrown in there here and there mm-hmm. between passages where he's talking about and then Dina and I went over to see you know Camille and you know we talked to her and then we played a record and we da- you know and then somebody broke it over uh, the table and then we went out drinking to this bar and then oh the stars and the cobblestones and, the, <laughs> and then he goes back to talking about drinking and jazz and all this other so like I mean I don't know I felt like I, I could have used more of that um, literary type language about um, the mystic nature of traveling and exploring new places. Yeah. I, to me, I thought it was a tricky balance to strike because he's sure. like talking about the trips and the logistics of everything. Mm-hmm. And then like, like you said, peppered in, but you can have too much pepper to kind of spoil the meal <laughs> yeah. too. Whoa, like if he's talking okay. about stars every okay. other passage, yeah. it's, <laughs> like it's a little self-indulgent, I think, but uh-huh. ultimately I liked it. Sure. Um, okay. This one I thought was interesting. He says, what is that feeling when you're driving away from people and they recede on the plane until you see their specks dispersing? It's the two huge world vaulting us, and it's goodbye. But we lean forward to the next crazy venture beneath the skies. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of summed up their like, driving between different people. And as a larger metaphor of life, learning to let go mm-hmm. and move on and this and that. I right. As something becomes a speck on the horizon of your past, do not dwell on that that which is fading, but focus on what is ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, there's kind of like these Buddhist undertones yeah. to a lot of this, or like sure. Eastern sure. thought. Um, and I just have one more. Right. So this is kind of along those lines. This is Dean talking to Sal, I'm pretty sure. He says, he's talking about these, like, just other people, just general people they come across. Uh, they have worries, they're counting the miles, they're thinking about where to sleep tonight, how much money for gas, the weather, how they'll get there, and all the time they'll get there anyway, you see? <laughs> mm. So I thought that's a good point. It's like, and even today, a lot of us get caught up worrying about this or that and stressed out, but it's like, right. at the end of the day, most of us more or less get what we need and get to where we need to go. We don't need to get so caught up in the stress of these little things worrying about stuff, right? Or we are fortunate to be in a, in America where most of our worries are not life or death. Yeah. Where at the end of the day, we have a roof, we have a place to stay, we have food in our fridge, you know, we're, we are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. The worries that we tend to let overwhelm us at times can be superficial and um, it, it or temporary. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good to be reminded of that. Yeah. And unfortunately, there are still people in America that do have serious worries. And, you know, that can be very stressful. I don't know. Just go on a road trip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tim. Rating time. Rating time. You want me to go first? Sure. I came in here. I was prepared to make a statement with my rating. (laughs) Oh, no. I was prepared to give this a one. Whoa. I was. Okay. I don't think I can do it now. Now it's a two. You talked me up to a two. Wow. Well done, too. This will be our greatest disparity still, because I'm going to give it a five. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, you liked it that it. much? I really liked it. Because that's the thing, Tim. I, I, 
after last episode, I don't think you've given anything a five yet. You know, we know our tastes, so we pick books that we think are gonna we're gonna like. Yeah. But I think you know, reserving your fives is smart because I I do that too. Although it may not, although I have given more fives than you, but I feel like I have an appreciation that I'm glad I'm glad you picked this book. I'm glad we've read it because I feel like in the Library of American Literature, this is something that people should read. That's well said. Yeah. It's not on the top of my list, but it's... <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Next book. Our next book is The Coddling of America's Minds by Jonathan Haidt and some other guy. I forget the co-author, sorry. But I picked it. It's going to be a good discussion. Why'd you pick it? I picked it because I read the synopsis about it. At first, it sounds like a, a book that's all anti-snowflake and anti-safe space. <laughs> but you're such a snowflake, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am a delicate flower, Tim. Not a snowflake, thank you. Um, but no, I, I picked it because what I read about it is very fascinating. It's not just like, oh, you know, kids today are too coddled and pampered. It's more involved than that. And how did we get here? And what can we do to kind of like, you know, should be a good discussion. Yeah, it will be a good discussion. <laughs> it better be. So, yes. But in the meantime, go to our website, twoguysonebook.com. Go go to our website, comment on stuff, and you'll see what our books are, are upcoming. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Keep reading. Keep reading. Take a road trip. Drive across the country.